A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast. We are the Lorehounds, your guides to Randland. I'm David. And I'm John. And this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime adapted series, uh, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 2, Strangers and Friends. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for September. For early access, ad-free episodes, and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Also, we'd like to ask if you're enjoying what we do, consider leaving us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts is the best place, and it helps uh, to raise our profile even as far away as the Aeel Waste. And specific to the Wheel of Time, we have a new feed set up just for the show. So if you're only interested in content about the Wheel of Time, you can subscribe to that channel. Our main feed is going to have all of our content. You can find that by searching for the Lorehounds. And we've got subscription feeds on YouTube and Spotify. So wherever you want this podcast and other science fiction and fantasy shows, it's there for you. That's right. Um, And you know what? We'd also love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air. So send us feedback for the next episode. And, uh, well, it'll be after episode three that we'll start recording that. But um, send it all in now. Episode one, two, three, everything that we got. And um, because we've got screeners, we're recording these in advance a little bit. John will mention a little bit later about our, our recording schedule. So, you know, we're going to catch up on the feedback, but we want it all. Send emails to WOT at thelorehounds.com or head to our website, thelorehounds.com, and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form, or you can head to our Discord server, and there's a link in the show notes so you can get there. Just chat about it. You know, send us a nice, complicated Discord message with crazy fan theories, and we'll probably pull it and put it on the show. <laughs> it's very possible. John, uh, we were chit-chatting offline uh, about this episode. You seem to... 
have some crunchy thoughts. Is that still the case? Are you feeling okay about this number two episode or what's going on? I feel okay. I feel okay. okay. I did not dislike this episode for sure. Got it. This episode, well, the weakest of the two I've seen so far, was still good. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's hard to beat number one, right? So I really loved episode one. I didn't super love this episode, but it was still good. It was still better than any episode in season one, I would say. Okay. So I'm I'm still in a good place. I am baffled by the decision to make this a triple premiere. This was this is an extremely dense show, both episodes one and two so far. I think people could use a little bit more time to digest it. I'm I'm very confused by the choice to do this. It might have to do with scheduling that we don't know about. But for now, I'm just going to roll with it. And I'm glad that we have at least the time to take a few <laughs> days in between episodes. I am sorry for the public that it's it's just thrown at you. But I guess if, if you space it out, you know, watch one, think about it for two days, do that again, and you avoid Twitter for spoilers, then you'll be okay. Yeah, three is a lot of content, even for somebody like me who's not a full on book reader. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not lost in the story or anything like that. So, I, as far as I can tell, they're handling everything pretty well and from that regard. But just in this day and age with the content, with Ahsoka, with Foundation, with a bunch of other stuff still on yeah. the air or just wrapping up, if you're playing catch up, school's going to be back in session if, you know, for, for, uh, those people who are, you know, have kids in uh, their school age kids. Right. So there's a lot going on in, in three hours of television to try to juggle and to catch. Yeah, it, it is a really head scratcher. And yeah. like you said, you know, who knows what Amazon's got coming behind this and why, why they're trying to hustle it up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I it, it could be just I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish yeah, they would have. I wish they would let the Wheel of Time have its moment. But. The other shows are going to end and the wheel of time will be going for a little longer <laughs> and enough. the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And that's all I was we can do in uh, Manhattan today, uh, kind of cruising through the theater district. And there was a huge uh, I forget which building it was, but there was a big oh, good. full long block wheel of time banner on a building. And then on the corners, it had uh, other that's ones, good. So, that's good. You know, I'm, I'm glad the they're things. giving the, the series the support it needs now because yeah. it did not feel like it really got that in season one. And I, I'm just I'm glad that they're I, they seem to be taking it more seriously now, which I appreciate. Um, one last thing I'm going to say is I did like most of the book changes. Most of them were smart condensing of characters or events. I did like most of them. Uh, some of them worry me, but I can get there when we get there. And I'm not sure if I can even get to all of them because some of them are because of consequences down the line. Right, right. Yeah. And as we, we talk a lot about with foundation and rings of power, you know, uh, the shippy test, as we like to call it, is mm-hmm. are the are the changes that are being made? Do they serve the plot? And do they help us with the visual medium? Or and then I think you you said it was Rafe Jud- Judkins who said the the showrunner for the show mm-hmm. was saying adaptation versus inspiration. Like that's a really that's nice um writer. it's not him. It's actually Brandon Sanderson who oh, Brandon wrote Sanderson. the last three books. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's a and who had that time. like crazy Kickstarter book. Uh, yes deal. yeah like a 30 i might have been like 40 million i don't know it was like the biggest kickstarter like one of the biggest kickstarters ever let alone the biggest it, one yeah. for a book or something yeah it was definitely the biggest one for a book it was i think the second or third biggest ever amazing uh, that's Crazy. extraordinary so yep 
Well, as a non-book reader, um, I felt this episode was fine. It was a good episode to uh, uh, episode. Deepened characters, picked up characters that you know we hadn't seen so much, extended their plot a little bit, mm-hmm. set up some dramatic stakes. We had a nice reveal at the end, and I am suddenly... I, I what, a question you asked me last podcast was about like what did I think of the, when when he referred to when there there was a reference the to other the forsaken. other forsaken. Yep. Now I'm like oh interesting the other chosen. So, I think actually he said yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm uh, I was pleasantly tickled by that. I was like wait a minute how, I have to reevaluate my whole understanding of the power structure of the bad right, guys here. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things in the books. And that doesn't really get revealed to the end of book three. So I wasn't sure where they were going to do it with this one. But Uh you realize at the end of book three or maybe the beginning of book four that you have not been fighting the dark one this whole time. This was a tier two villain. This was a tier two (laughs) boss. Right. There's a lot more to go. And it was this tough just to get this far. What happens next? And that's that's a great way to grow the world. To mm-hmm. raise the stakes in a way that feels natural, right, right, yeah. So I was I was delighted by that, and uh, got wowed by some cool visuals, and yeah. So you know, for me, as the non bookie, uh, it it the, this episode did its job, and I felt like I've moved further a, a step down the story pathway. Right, right. Well, Ishmael is here. We now know his name. Just call and me. We're Ishmael. ready to talk about him. Some I people like call him Ishi on Reddit. We can okay. call him Ishi here if you want. Ishi, Palpy, Ishi, you know. <laughs> we like to we like to, dim, to give the give our bad guys the diminutive forms of their names to right. soften them right. up a little bit, you know. Exactly. He's got he's very soft spoken. Ferris Ferris is his name. He's he's yeah. pretty soft spoken. He's a suave looking mf'er. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks good up on there on that uh on that uh litter. Yeah. Um, production notes. Yes. I guess we should get through that. You've never read the books, David, as you mentioned. I have read the books, uh, all of them at least once, most of them multiple times. So I I will be our book reader, but I won't be spoiling anything that has not happened in the show yet. I will compare things in the books that have already happened, but I will not talk about anything that has not happened yet. Uh, We do have screeners for episodes one through four. We're not running ahead. We haven't watched past episode two, so we're not going to be cute about it and be like, well, we'll see. (laughs) Oh, I can't talk Um, about that now. Yeah, it's like it's like playing. I'm not touching you. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's annoying. The worst annoying game in the world. Right, right. So we're not going to do that. Uh, And then we will at the end of episode three, we're going to start a weekly segment called the White Tower segment where Alicia will come on. You might recognize her from our Mandalorian coverage from the MC universe from will shift dust, her own podcast that's on our network. Uh, we're going to talk full book spoilers for all 14 books. Plus the prequel, just so, you and Alicia, just so me and I, Alicia. Yeah. Yeah. So when I bail, I'll, I'll hustle everybody out who doesn't want to, to get spoiled. We'll go off and then you guys can right. nerd the hell out. Yeah. We'll talk about changes that they made, what kind of consequences those changes might have. That's going to be our focus with that. And, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. Very cool. All right, David, I think it's time to get into the episode. Let's go. We start off with Rand awakening from a nightmare about killing his friends in madness. He is in bed with the innkeeper, Celine, who he appears to be in a relationship with. He tells her he has to head to work, and she laments that all their nights together have the same ending. What's your impression of Celine, David? 
Um, I think she seems, I think she is more than she seems. Okay. Uh, for an innkeeper, she, um, uh, yeah, she just doesn't seem like a low, <laughs> just a regular old innkeeper to me. She seems to okay. be a bit more of a powerful person or maybe knowledgeable person or more crafty or wily in some ways. I don't think she okay. is as simple as, uh, things appear to be well now i know how you feel about innkeepers (laughs) this particular innkeeper you know um anyway i'm not gonna i don't want to get in too much trouble you know i'm a married man after all but you know uh rand is doing well for himself here uh all things considered yeah celine in the books is described as extremely beautiful like rand cannot keep his eyes off her Mm -hmm. just radiant so that is what they're going for here Okay. Well, they, they definitely are giving her um, a lot of, I don't, know, so what I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. There's a lot of sexual chemistry happening here. That's what I'm saying. For uh, sure. For some sure. Marvin Gaye, hit, put some Marvin Gaye on the turntable and turn down the lights and let's Something go. that they've added in the books is Ren has now had sex with two more women than he did in the books. <laughs> okay. And oh, I, really? I don't know why... They, when Rafe Judkins went to adapt this material, he's like, "All right, this is all good, but Rand's got to fuck." Like, he's, <laughs> we we haven't made enough changes until Rand gets them. Uh, right? Yeah. Well, and they're giving him the, the they're giving him a, a definite look and a swagger as he's walking through town yep, here, yep. and the dude's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, and he gets tossed a um, whatever passes for a bread or a tortilla, and um, yeah, he's rolling rolling through town there. So, right. Can- so, well, speaking of rolling through town, Ren heads through the foregate of Kyrian toward his work, catching breakfast bread on the way. Ren currently works in what appears to be a sanatorium for those struggling with severe mental illness. As he walks through the hall, he hears a voice say, You are mine, Randall Thor. We then get the title screen. So, Sorry, uh, just I wanted to jump back to there was some whispering in the scene when he kind of wakes from his dream a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's hearing a lot of voices lately. I I couldn't understand what they were saying in that. Which is frustrating because we don't have the subtitles on our screeners. Right. And uh, I was hoping you'd catch some of it. So I wasn't sure what was being said there. It seems to be all the same vibe of your mind. Right. And uh, I think we know who Ishi is probably. It's I think it's Ishi's voice, yeah. Is it? Because we know that Rand is going toward madness because True. of his use of the one power. So that's going to be a struggle is, is it someone messing with him right. or is it madness grouping in? Got it. Because of the, yeah, just do it, just, just because of the channeling. Um, right. There was a, a part of this scene when he's looking out the window. Sorry, I just wanted to jump back to this as well, too. Yeah, yeah. The... I don't know if it was just me or if it, if it was coincidence, but it looked like as he was looking out into the town, the city, whatever, mm-hmm. the, at least the the glimpse I saw, the architecture of where he is reminded me of the building where the Dark Friends Social was having a meeting. They're Maybe in a different I'm, area. Okay, got I'm it. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing shadows, right? You know, yeah, I'm looking yeah, yeah. on yeah. every corner and every you know nook and cranny. So maybe I'm they're, they're for sure in a different there. area because this is not a coastal um, city. This is Kyrian. So if you'll remember, Kyrian was mentioned in episode one by okay. Bale Doman, who said that they found the heartstone that was broken. Yes, near Kyrian. Oh, okay. 
So that's where the broken seal was found, right where Rand is. Okay, interesting. All so right. there's a clue there. Uh, Kyrian is a major kingdom. It's okay. a major city and, and a major kingdom within Randland. I mean, to have and, a senatorium and the guards, yeah, it right, seemed like a very, right. uh, a lot of uh, state-provided infrastructure going on here. And Right. And the foregate is, is a location from the books. Basically, the main city is made like, you know, a medieval kingdom with brick and stone and whatnot. Then you have the foregate all made of wood because it's all poor people uh, uh-huh, living right, over there. Right. And so this yeah. is sort of the, the overflow of the city that Rand's living in. Yeah, pretty standard for for what we understand are you know medieval towns, you know, right? In fantasy, so that's Rand. David, are we the only ones who are ever going to use the Wheel of Time season one theme ever again? Uh, did they change it? I did. Oh, I did not notice. Well, they the title screen is now like a five second thing, yes. instead of a full theme song, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe they're doing it just because it's this this dr- initial drop. Maybe on I don't know. Four? Because we'll they've done it on two episodes now. Yeah. Or is it just a screener thing and there'll be more complete uh, time? I don't know. Graphics. It seemed pretty final, that edit. I, I don't know why they would change okay. the theme song. Going we'll have, to, we'll have yeah. to see. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, let's move on. Moiraine and Len recover from their wounds from the Mirdrals. When Varen assumes Moiraine will go to the White Tower, Moiraine reminds her that she's been exiled. However, Moiraine tells Lan she will be heading to the White Tower and take some jabs at him. She's been so mean to Lan this episode. Dude, the, by the end of this episode, I'm just like, F you, Moraine. Like, what is going on? You, you know, I, I really don't understand what's going on. And I'm really mad at her. <laughs> I'm sure it will all be revealed. I'm sure there are reasons. I, I'm just not. I am like, er, what are you doing? So Alicia had a really good theory on this, which is that because Lan is the heir to a throne and Moiraine, well of noble blood, is not an heir to the throne, that he is not her equal. He's better than her. He's he's higher rank than her. She's certainly not. <laughs> no, but I don't, but like, her I don't idea, agree with her tactics here. Her idea, I think, is let me push him away because he'll be better off without me. So I'm going to sound mean, but when I say we were never equals, I'm not lying, but I actually mean it factually in the other direction. Right, because she can't lie. Right. She's doing the I said I thing. She's using right. the words that she needs to say. Well, it's not that she can't lie. The, the actual rule is speak no untrue word. Right. So you right. you can mislead with your words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in the in the yeah. simplest sense. Of, yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I always love how she makes that distinction to people like Egwene. She's like, you know, what do the three oaths say? That's very important how they're worded. Right. Right. Yeah. It's very legalese here. Very legalistic. Right. Yeah. What's right. the letter of the law? What's the intent of the law here? Right. Well. Regardless, I'm still mad at her because she's being yeah, meanie, yeah. meanie McMeanerson, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, let's head to our friends, the Shinarans. Uno complains about the tracker refusing to ride a horse, but Perrin backs the tracker up. The Shinarans arrive in a village where Perrin sees a woman through a window. When Perrin investigates, he sees a scene of a family being murdered by dark friends. The vision initially fools him but the tracker counsels Perrin to learn the difference between vision and reality. The Shinarans determine something scared Fane away and find a mutilated Mirdral. 
So I think in episode one, I got a little confused about the tracker because the way that they introduced the tracker to us, mm-hmm. it was like we came ac- across this guy. Yeah, no, he's he's part of the crew. He's part of the, the Shannon. Right. And the way they filmed it, at least the way I interpreted it, because I didn't have any you know, priors on that. It was like, we just came across this dude and no, it turns out he's actually part of their, their crew. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so they've combined two characters for this one. Oh, interesting. And I All actually right. don't, I think that they're going with one name, but I'm, I won't say it until we see the name. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, there's a character named Hurin who is from the Shinarans and is not Wolfie, but he's a, he is a tracker. Uh-huh. And there's another character named Elias who's actually the first other wolf-like person that Perrin meets. Okay. And I think they're combining these two. Okay. From the books. Got it. Okay. Yeah, which um, I think is a, is a wise decision, right? Because now Perrin gets to have this wolf mentor and you get the tracker. Right. This is not this is not spoilery stuff that you're covering here, right? You're you're I don't think so. I mean, okay. he's in the first book. Um, but this idea that we you. that Perrin gets a, a mentor, I mean, they're building that relationship right here, obviously. Well, I mean, he it's not like an explicit mentorship. I, I'm yeah. saying like what we're seeing now is just advice given. Yeah. And right. I even in the books, I don't think it goes much further than that. OK. Yeah. Now, it, the this river crossing, this really felt like the river crossing that they did uh, at the same location in season one where the Trollocs couldn't cross the river. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just I, a visual. I don't, yeah, I, I think that's I think a just a visual trick. thing. Yeah. OK. Because they've been going through. Yeah, they're they're going north and, and down a coast, which is why they come across the seafaring army later. Right, right. Okay, cool. All right. Well, yeah, pretty, pretty traumatic scene here for Perrin to uh, to witness, and then to the the reveal that no, this has been this way for a while now, to the point that you know, the yeah, 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 and things have set in. Very oh, creepy. Very, yeah. It, it it injected a nice horror horror. Horror F at okay, blah blah. Uh, you know, this nice horrific <laughs> element to the story. Um, so and and then to cap it with a, a Mirdral sort of in this crucified position, I was like, oh, I yeah, I, what I, did that, right? Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, this again, I guess that's another reveal of this episode, and it's it's setting up more questions is what is going on here? Because what killed a Mirdral? You know, right. That what crucified a mirror girl, not just killed one. Right, right. And that's that's really the question, because the last episode we had a, an attack by a couple 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 mirror that took two Aes Sedai and two warders to fend off. Yeah. And and a former a non channeling Aes Sedai, I guess. Right. Um, and uh, and now all of a sudden something just absolutely destroyed this mirror draw and it seems like almost effortless effortlessly and then why leave it up as a um you know why why crucify it in this way yeah Yeah. was is this a warning or were that was this some sort of form of torture could you get some information out of mirror draw i don't know yeah mirror draw can talk in the books but we have not seen that in the show I hope their tongues have adapted to have <laughs> to deal with all. Because when I bite my tongue, that hurts. And I don't know about biting my tongue with yeah, all those teeth yeah. in my mouth. So Who knows? It's all magic. So it's fine. 
Uh, Rand checks in on one of his patients who has a fearful reaction to him, but Rand keeps his cool and earns the man's trust. The man calls Rand and Aeolman among them after Rand mentions that the Aeol War ended 20 years prior. The man reveals himself to be a blade master and promises to teach Rand sword forms if Rand sneaks a sword in. One of Rand's co-workers torments the old man and taunts Rand about his low position. A lot of subtle lore dump here, right? Okay, okay. Okay, we, we know that there are these people called the Aeol. Aeol Rand looks quite a lot like one, according to this guy. Okay. And that there was a war with the Aeol 20 years ago. Okay. We're seeding all this now. We're right, seeding, right. you know, a, a, just a bunch of information because, I mean, you, you should know from the trailers, the Aeol are going to be involved in this series at some point. Okay. And in this season at some point, I should say. This guy uh, kind of in some ways gave me vibes of um, uh, who is the sword master who taught Arya. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now I can't remember. but Yeah, the, I want to say Cyrano de Bergerac, but that's an entirely was, uh, different thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he was, he was, uh, yeah, it was the same vibe except just older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if he had not, <laughs> not been taken away, taken down by the King's Guard. So, right. Yeah, I I thought this scene did an interesting job too of of setting up Rand as a nice guy who cares about his patients. Yeah, very kind. Connecting us to, you know, his humanity uh while the other guy is a complete jerk who gets his come up later. <laughs> so, yeah. And then of course that turns yeah. into a trick of it. So, we actually have more than one reveal in here. We've got a couple of things. You know, we've got this interesting question with the mirror draw. We've got this whole thing of going on further inside into the sanatorium and and meeting the the one male caster who we met last season that the Logan, yep. Yep. And then yeah. So, yeah, there's a there's actually a lot packed in this episode. And the yep. more I think about it. Big lore episode, big exposition episode. Okay. Egwene asks where Nynaeve is as she does her chores, uh, but Nynaeve has been taken to the Yellow Sisters healing quarters by Leandrin. Nynaeve is impressed by the Accepted's healing of a serious illness that was a struggle for her to heal with herbs. Leandrin explains that Accepted are allowed to study with the different Ajas. Leandrin makes a pitch for the Red Aja, which she claims prevents sickness at the root instead of treating it. Leandrin says... The long lifespans of Aes Sedai allow them to shape history and pushes for Nynaeve to become accepted so they can begin studying together. Again, more exposition, I think. You know, how do, how do the accepted work? Um, right. Okay. So when you graduate from novice to accepted, now you can go study with individual Aes Sedai who don't normally teach and learn sort of their craft. That way you can decide where which color Aja you want to go into. Right, kind of apprenticing. Is this where they mention the arches too, or does that come in a little the, bit? The arches, I don't remember if they mention it here, but they are shown later and they, they talk about them more later. Yeah, yeah, most certainly. And it's it's this idea, this certainly sets up that that track for uh, right. her to be following. I liked in this too, a couple of things I noticed in this scene, certainly uh, Leandrin palming the that medicine that, that little vial of, of stuff, right? Uh -huh. yep. I thought she was going to use it to poison Matt, but uh, no, that was that was a little bit of a... I, I did love their interaction later, but we'll get to there. Yeah. And then the weave is really beautiful here. It's this white and gold. So yeah, the it's just a... It's beautiful. I, I, I'm appreciating the way that they're uh, styling the weaves this episode. I mean, this season. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a big improvement over last season. Right. Did you see Nynaeve light up a lot at the healing? Totally. She. Uh, I, I got a little confused, too, because I thought, well, yeah, obviously she's, you know, maybe this is an Aja that she would want to study with. But then Leandrin was right there saying, no, 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 the systemically we can we can do more if you're a red Aja. Then that's such a weak it. argument. <laughs> it is. It was. I thought it was, I was also like, not as you know, you're going to cure the flu by d- making men not be able to channel. I, I don't understand your <laughs> argument here. It didn't God, people are still going to get colds. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. What your argument is here. I mean, it's it's uh, I think she's saying more people die from, you know, false dragons and whatnot than die from uh, illness. Which right. I again I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, that yeah. seems wrong to me. Well, he certainly did do a nice job in the scene. It was nice and bright. The whole white, uh, right, with the accepted and the light coming behind her, and yeah, it, it was a it was a nice scene around. Yeah, yeah. I think if I'm looking at Leandra's motivations here, it's to excite Nynaeve and give her a motivation to become accepted, so she can start to craft her mold her but then it's naive csi and she follows her through the city streets here uh, in the yes. next scene so yeah so i've i've skipped this quick uh well i i actually did combine it later yeah i combined it later because all she does is go where is she and then they sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, let's move on to morley andrin who visits Matt with the gift of sweet cakes. After after pantomiming her exit, Matt grabs a sweet cake and begins to work on the brick again. This was the scene that won me over as Donald as Matt. Okay. Okay. I think yeah. that this this uh, he was a lot funnier in this. He, he just did, he had nothing to work with last episode. I so I, no, I that's yeah. why I said I'll reserve judgment until he has a a real scene. I think I think he is doing a good job. I'm not sure which Matt I like better yet. I haven't seen him enough again. But I, this is the Matt we've got, so I'm living with it. Yeah, he's got a little different. Uh, he f- he feels a little, a little darker. bit less less of a Joker. Yeah, yeah. He seems a little bit more serious. This Matt seems a little bit more serious to me. Yeah, but still sarcastic and snarky, sure, yeah. and and yeah. I did appreciate all his all his banter with Min later, and I think right. I think he's got a good energy for Matt. Yeah. I really thought Leandrin was going to poison him here too. So I, but why? Because she's, she's I know, been with that's him what for I so was, long. I feel like there's no motive. Yeah, that's what I was confused about. Like, why are you po- Why did you show <laughs> us palming that and then feeding him the cakes? And then he says, "Oh, did you poison me?" I got. I was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, why? Why would she kill him?" Um, yeah, and so. even he bought it. He's like, "Yeah, I don't know why you'd be keeping me all this time just to poison me now." Right. <laughs> well. I guess we'll revisit that later when we get to him and Min. Uh, Egwene meets an incoming novice who seems to be a bit out of touch with the vibe of being a novice. After a rocky start, the novice introduces herself as Elaine Trocand, the daughter heir of Andor and daughter of Queen Morghese. Elaine says some of the greatest pairings in the history of the world were formed between novices in adjacent rooms, and she wonders what the future will hold for them. This seems to win Egwene over. First impressions, David. I I didn't know what to think of this. It seemed obviously she's highborn. She has a lot of servants and fancy stuff, and then she does the the old 
oh, oh God, how could you live in this pigsty? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> this is your room. Oops. Really um, gets the vibe of rich kid goes to college. But then yet is not out of touch. <laughs> like she actually goes, oh, well, oh, you know, I'm sorry. And hey, let's talk and, and let, me, right, let me come right. down a little bit. And that, that was a cool on my part. And I, I didn't know what to do with the line about the pairings because it seemed really on the nose. Mm-hmm. It seemed very directed to me, the, the viewer, the watcher, to say, watch this relationship. And well, I, if I could, if I could say, I mean, yes, I think that's right. But also, it was just on the I, nose. If and I, I wasn't defend, expecting it, yeah. If Sorry. I could defend the line, I'd say she grew up. Her mother um, went to the White Tower for a time. Uh, is not an Aes Sedai, by the way. Uh, okay. And she has grown up with you know in a palace where Aes Sedai come and go and visit her mother and pay respects. And she has grown up with the lore of Aes Sedai, with the lore of the White Tower, her whole life. And mm-hmm. so for her to have romanticized it like this and try to manufacture a relationship now with Egwene is very natural to me. That feels natural to me. Okay. All right. Especially someone who, as she says, I've never been allowed to have friends, right? I've, I've been cooped right. up in this tower, in right. this palace my whole life. And um, Elaine is actually introduced in the first book in a different way, but I'll I'll save that for another time if we kind of comes up <laughs> but uh this is the first time we see her in the show and she is a major character she's a pov character in the books uh we i i did have to think of uh i was trying to think of other great pairings in this way i certainly thought of uh sparrowhawk and vetch from uh the ah, Ursi. Yeah, yeah. nice nice segue there for our other podcasts <laughs> about the Ursi books with ursula k Le Guin. um but yeah, I I was also surprised. Boy, this uh, this episode is actually full of surprises because yeah. uh, this I, I, you could tell that this was going to be a major character. They were signaling that this is a major character that's right. coming in right now. Right. And so it was like, wow, OK, well, well here we go. <laughs> right. Well, we've got a huge cast in these books. So uh-huh. a lot of the reveals are happening this season, it seems like from the trailer and from what we've already gotten. And I appreciate a season that front loads a lot of stuff so that the yeah. you know, when we get to the mid to the back end, we've got a lot of things to unwind and ravel and the drama and the tension to to go through. Yeah. Yeah. We're not dragging out anymore. You know, we did the whole who's the Dragon Reborn thing last season. That's <laughs> done being dragged out. Right. Uh, and now, which was exhausting, and I think they could have done that better. But anyway, we're not relitigating season one. Uh, but in now they've ended the whole mystery of, well, who is this dark one? Who, who is this enemy that we fought? What actually happened there? What, what are the stakes? We've been, we have that revealed by the end of episode two, which is great. Um, and Elaine is introduced, which is, is good. I think Elaine is a character that surprises and delights you because she is set up to be a tropey character. This Adam (laughs) Dutch noble, (laughs) but she actually has a lot of depth. And this goes into the whole thing that you always talk about with this series of books is the the inversions and the flippings of the taking tropes or ideas right, or different right. elements of different from different stories or plot lines and then messing with them, kind of doing right. like a Baroque style music, taking a melody and flipping it or playing it backwards or, yep. you know, interleaving it with another uh, over, over another melody. And and uh, so they that's call it cool. counterpoint. Hmm. They call it counterpoint. They call it that. I knew there was a name for it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
All right, let's move on to another White Tower plotline. In the White Tower, Nynaeve asks where Leandrin is and is told she may be able to catch her. I guess I did put this earlier. Uh, Sherium meets with Alana and her warders to discuss Leandrin's proposal of Nynaeve's accepted test. Sherium says if the last battle is coming, they need Nynaeve at their side. Sherium is dismissive of the warders and says there will be a vote about Nynaeve's status. Alana says she will not stay because Moiraine needs them. What does Moiraine need them to do? Why is everyone just da- dancing around Moiraine? <laughs> and isn't uh, Alana uh, also? Yeah, she's a blue as well uh, as Moiraine. So got no, she's a green. green. She's a green. I'm sorry, not Alana. Um, uh, Sherium. Sherium. Sherium is a blue. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just had the names mixed up there. So we got blues and greens teaming up here. So. Well, they're um I, I thought they were more adversarial there. Oh, I'm uh-huh. sorry. You're saying you're saying Alana is a green teaming up with my rain a blue. Yeah, but yeah, at the same time, yeah. uh Sherium is a blue, right? And so right. she's you know, even though there she, might be a little kind adversarial, of adversarial here, a little bit there, yeah. They're they're still all in cahoots. they're they're sort of going yeah. cahoots going on here. So the green and blue Ajas have always been, for a very long time at least, uh pretty allied. They they largely act similarly in votes in the because there's there's a whole democratic system within the right. White Tower as well. And they they largely vote as a block, it seems like. Well, I could see, too, if, if you've got blues doing diplomacy and long range scouting, that the greens would mm-hmm. definitely want to be down yeah. with that in, intel. And yeah, the blues all that. about like justice and. Who do you need to enact justice? The army. And that's that's the green. Uh, there you go. So they, they fit together pretty nicely. Alana is such a badass. She like sits back in this scene here and her, her hand kind of reaches out and one of her warders just puts a cup directly into it. She's just she's she's a queen. She, she's she like, is certainly she's she's a lot more present in the show than the books. And I like what they're doing with her character. The actress has got her vibe down so well. Her warders are great. I, I'm just grooving with everything they're giving with her. Yeah. Her costumes are amazing. Yep. All yep. her jewelry and everything. It's very cool. And they picked a wonderful actress for Sherriam. I think that uh, Sherriam is so matronly. <laughs> yeah. She's just so like mistress of novices. Like the minute you see her, you're like, yeah, that's the mistress of novices. That's right. Yeah, she's, yep. she's the headmistress. Yep. Yep. Of Hogwarts. <laughs> uh, so the Shinarans arrive in another village that has not been attacked. The tracker refuses to sleep inside with the Shinarans and tells Perrin they are not his pack. What do you think of this? What is the tracker telling Perrin? Yeah, that was an interesting line. And like you were saying before, there there's something going on between the, the this wolf pack stuff that the tracker with his yellow eyes and Perrin and uh, he can see the tracker seems to see that Perrin, you know, he's not a soldier in this same way. He's he's not a, uh-huh. a rank and file, uh, uh, you know, member. He's he's something else. There's something. Yeah, he's got some other right. destiny. And, and I think the tracker can see that. And I like, um, I don't know. Yeah, again, you know, cool trope here a little bit in in that, you know. Um, this weird outsider is is informing you of something that you can't yet see about yourself. He's like, hey, buddy, you're an outsider, too. Yeah, <laughs> just just like me. So, yeah. Yep. 
uh, interesting. He's like, you know, I'm, I much prefer to sleep out under the stars where, yeah. where I can't get dragged out by my heels when the invading army right. <laughs> comes walking in in a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if they've confirmed yet that he's the same as Perrin and I don't know if they will at this point. Oh, and I don't know if they will at all because he could be a different thing. There's other kinds of powers in this world that he could have, but it does seem like they're setting him up to be wolf mentor to Perrin. Yeah, right. That was a big fishy that they had on the table there. And I'm glad that I thought it was just going to be a background element. And so I was kind of glad when they uh, showed the people uh, butchering it up a, a little bit more, that it was a little bit more in the story because <laughs> it was yeah, a giant fish. Yeah. It looked better than the fish in Foundation. <laughs> that's for sure. That's Remember that fish sure. we talked about for like three terrible. minutes? Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, Varen notes that the eye of the darkness is upon Moiraine and assumes she's found the dragon. Moiraine asks who else knows while gripping a dagger. Varen applauds her for her the lengths she'll go for the dragon uh, and says the world is still broken. Varen says one day she may have to betray her or the dragon and refuses to take an oath to uh to not betray either of them she mentions prophecies about toman head battles in the sky a sword of flame and a branded hen that wields it pretty cryptic over here yeah there you go you got a brown talking all kinds of this is and that's and you know dusty tomes in in books uh yeah, yeah this is a lore dump episode as you said <laughs> Varen is either my favorite or second favorite character okay overall in the series she is that good she is that good and i'm glad that she gets more screen time in the show so far i think right and they picked a great actress to actor to play to play her part and so. yeah i love her delivery it's very uh matter of fact but a little bit sassy you know like it, it's got a little bit of snark to it but it is very librarian -y. so prophecies any idea of what they're about no man this is like i just have to accept all of this and just pray that yeah. uh, i've got a good podcast yeah. to help me uh pick these details out when the details time come yeah you know yeah we'll just have to wait till they come true but how about this i'll tell you when they do come true yeah yeah if fair you enough. haven't figured yeah. it out yourself <laughs> pin 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 this uh scene and in, into our uh red yarn cork board and uh and remind me when we when we get there <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the dagger, the dagger yes. that Moiraine grips, that feels like a different vibe. Moiraine feels unhinged here in a way that I have not seen her before. Seriously, I was like, you're going to really kill a, a, a straight up one of your sisters like this? That seemed a little excessive. Well, they can't use the one power as a weapon, but there's <laughs> nothing in the oaths that prevents you from killing with your bare hands. But still, right? This person is, you know, housed you, fed you, you know, is escorted, you know, spending time with you. It seemed a little, but yeah. I guess that was yeah. to signal the stakes mm -hmm. in Moraine's head about what's, um, you know, that what she's being so consumed by. Sort of, right, her, right. She she seems very possessed by her mission and she what she has to do and what only right. she can do, and you know. Well, you got to remember the Reds are hunting down dragons. They're hunting right. down false dragons. They're hunting down male channelers. If, you know, you have Varen saying it's one of those three boys, right, that you brought with you. So she knows at least who to look for. Mm -hmm. I mean, if Varen's not on her side, she's got a big problem here. Right. And so right. you got to remember when you have an oath from an Aes Sedai, 
that is binding because they can speak no untrue word and right. it will now bind them via their speak no untrue word oath. But you have to make sure you word it right. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And there's a lot of loopholes in those oaths. All right, David, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will head back to the foregate. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back. During a festival at the Foregate, Rand finds his abusive co-worker who attacks him. Uh, Rand gets the upper hand and beats the man close to death, then accidentally channels and hears a voice telling him to kill. Rand finds Celine in his room and asks to be alone, but she tells him they need to be alone together before they engage in some rough loving. Yeah, I need to ask you something, David, because I watched this attack scene 10 times to figure really? out who attacked who first. Just uh, the well, very beginning of it. Okay. I still don't know. I said that the guy attacked Rand. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure. How about you? I totally read it as Rand attacking him. He certainly okay. was waiting for him. He tracked him. And even in a, a confrontation, a surprise, um, Rand has the upper hand and beats the crap out of him. Uh, and yeah. so I, yeah. I put Rand well within the center of, uh, of the being the aggressor here. This yeah. Is, uh, oh yeah. He, he's absolutely capable, which is why I had to watch it 10 times. I was like, right. Because they cut really quickly and it's very dark in the scene. That's something that is one complaint I'll have is that these night scenes are too dark and it might yeah. be the screeners, but that was a problem in season one too. So it might just be the edit. You know, I'm just watching it now and it ran does grab him because the guy okay, okay. who, uh, that he attacks has a white, a white shirt with a vest over it. And you can okay. see him getting yanked by Rand. It's they flip the camera angles on us. And so right, that's what was tripping me up. Yeah. 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 No, I can, I, I totally see that. Yeah. So, so Rand, uh, yeah, he's, uh, using the, the one true power to beat up the bullies. Well, don't don't say the true power because that that's a different thing. It's not the true power. It's not it's, the true power. It's because it's okay. Cheated. Here's here's an annoying thing. I'll tell you the true power and the true source are two completely different things. Oh. Robert Jordan is very very <laughs> intricate with his naming of things. Okay, um, but you you're not going to know anything about the difference for a very long time. So just keep that in your back pocket. Well, he's, he was channeling cha channeling. He was here, channeling so. the one power for sure. The one power. The yeah. one power. Um, and yeah, I think he, you can see he can't hold it back, right? Right. And that is the problem is he can say, I'm not going to channel so that I can avoid madness all I want. But when he gets emotional, when he, you know, just loses himself a little bit, he's going to channel and he's eventually going to not be able to shut it out. It kind of reminds me of Nynaeve a little bit too, in that, you know, he, he channeled when he was angry here. So yeah. 
the being in touch with your emotions is, you know, a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. So they do go deeply in the books on how the different sides of channeling the male and female sides of the source work and they are different. So, okay. The female side of the source, Sidar, is something that you have to, and this is a little problematic, and I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say what Robert Jordan says. You have to submit to the source okay. when you're using the right. female side of the source. You right. have to basically wrestle with and dominate the male side of the source. Okay. Uh, so he has well, women did. being submitted, submitting to the power and men uh, dominating it, and we know that... Uh, male channelers on average are a little bit stronger than female channelers. Okay. So it's, it's a little dated as you, as it's, you say. Yeah. 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 The, the it's, it's quite a lot dated actually. Yeah. Right. But that's Got just it. the way it works is, is uh, that's why it's so confusing. Why Nynaeve has to Hulk out to become a channeler because when it's a type of power that you're supposed to submit to, how does that work? That she's angry mm-hmm. and she's taking control of it. And all of a sudden she's channeling Sidar. It shouldn't work. And so she baffles her teachers. Do you think the uh, showrunner Rafe Judkins is is deconstructing that a little bit and and playing with it a little bit in this, or do we even have I don't to know. worry about the question of submission versus domination? Yeah, I guess I guess you don't really have to. Can we just I mean, bypass that. There's a couple really good lines and and moments that come from that whole thing, mm-hmm. but you could bypass it, and I wouldn't mind. Okay. Um, but but it it's the same thing in the books where Nynaeve is people are baffled by the fact that she can channel like that, you know, w- right. by becoming angry because it just doesn't make sense to them as female channelers who are used to channeling in a certain way. And cool. I guess Leandrin is saying, well, don't listen to them. Go ahead. Hulk out all you want. Right. And and like uh, and put on a red cloak while you're at it and we're good to go. <laughs> Let's rock. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, so Celine and Rand. A little bit uh, BDSM, huh? A little rough, a little rough, a little rough. Little couple of uh, couple of intense souls needing some intense comforting. Yeah, I think throughout this episode, I constantly go, maybe it's a sweet relationship, maybe it's not. Oh no, <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> we get definitely get the conversation later uh, about how how you know what she needs and what he needs. That's yeah, they're kind of using each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was an interesting reveal at this stage. And, you know, they just put it straight up front. Yeah, look, you know, I'm wounded. You're wounded. Let's bone. Yeah. <laughs> right. I Fair enough. How else to put it. Sounds like a transaction to, for the <laughs> transactional relationship to me. Very yeah. transactional. But I think we're going to see some more. There were some uh, things that were in uh teaser trailer you know things it seemed yep. like she's got more going on here so perhaps perhaps the wheel weaves let's move on to the white tower where Egwene gives elaine an orientation to being a novice sherryam corners elaine and asks for the name of the Sedai who let elaine's maiden when elaine refuses to tell sherryam she receives a punishment of daily switching for three months elaine responds before breakfast or after Egwene complains about the lack of attention she gets compared to Nynaeve. Then the two find Elaine's quarters bare bones again. I loved Elaine's. This is where this is where show Elaine won me over before breakfast or after, you know, just like right in the face of of somebody trying to pull a power move over her. She goes, all right, do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I thought switching seemed to be a very harsh punishment for. Oh, it quite is. Yes, yes. You know, um, I it's a very popular. That. No, in in the White Tower, it's pretty much the default. Man, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Just deal with it. It's <laughs> as long as they don't, as long as they don't go gratuitous with it visually and sort of. Yeah, I don't want. You know. I don't want to see it once, even. Yeah, I, I don't. I, we I don't, don't want to see it at all. We but, we get that it happens. Fine, understood. Right. Yeah. But that that is from the books, pretty much the default. And you can tell that um, uh, Elaine is uh, used to dealing with people of power or people yes. who think that they have power. Right. Yeah, she's very good at the game of houses. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very good at politics. You learn early on and you see throughout the series, Elaine is someone who has paid attention when her mother teaches her politics. Right, right. She which came is prepared. great. That is a great character to have because it's interesting. It's okay. someone who could be this privileged person who is, you know, a trust fund baby who never learned anything, but instead really did the work. Right. To, because she she's going to be the ruler. To, to be clear, the Andoran throne always goes to the eldest woman. Okay. There's always a queen of Andor. Cool. And so Egwene, is, sorry, Elaine is going to, I know, I know he's not great at, at naming people differently <laughs> who are in the same scenes all the time. But Elaine, Elaine is going to be queen. She's known that since she's a baby and she's been raised for it. She's been really groomed for this role. Interesting person to be paired with Egwene in that regard then, because uh, right. Egwene, who is still not confident in who she is or who she's yet to become to have uh, a buddy who is very confident and who is, you know, uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with you and, and genuinely kind of wants to be your friend. And, yeah. and um, that's, that's a big boost for your sense of self and how you can carry yourself when you've got a, yeah, to be clear, Egwene's village, Emmons Field, is within is inside of Andor, yeah. but it is on so far of the edge that mm. the tax collectors have stopped going there <laughs> because they make so little money and it's so trip. far that they just stopped going there. Right. There's no Andorian guards there. There's no like they they barely remember that they're part of Andor at the beginning okay. of the series. Yeah. So it's a little bit of two different worlds, I would say, colliding. <laughs> Nynaeve follows Leandrin through Tarvalon to find her at an old man's sickbed. Nynaeve tries to offer healing advice, but Leandrin screams at her to get out. Leandrin begins crying and apologizes to her beautiful boy for leaving him in pain. Twist! Twist. I don't know how I felt about this scene from the acting standpoint. Mm Mm-hmm felt a little bit overacted to me. I get her anger and I get her striking. Um, Nynaeve, the the beautiful boy stuff, I, I guess I just had a different opinion of Leandrin. And for her, I get what they're, they're, they're doing, right? They're, she's got this hard exterior, but there's some soft, squishy bits on the inside. I just didn't... This is one scene where I was just like, mm-hmm. eh, this is a show creation, by the way. Okay. Oh, interesting. show creation. They, she does not have this person in the books. I'm reading this as her son. Are you the same? I have no idea. He seems very old. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who he is. I mean, but you had like- an earlier scene where you said where Leandrin says we live for hundreds of years. 
That's true. That's a good point. When and he's not. So okay, that would make sense. If he's um, not channeling, he's not going to have an extended lifespan. Right. Right. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I could buy that then. I, I think that's what they're going for here. Beautiful boy sounded like a son to me. And why doesn't she, I don't know, like if she's got resources and who she is, you know, why doesn't she have an, uh, some attendance? I mean, she's leaving him alone all day. I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe I'm just reading too deeper into the scene. The point is Leandrin has a, a vulnerability in the sense that there are somebody she cares for a lot and she's keeping that secret. So. Got and it. don't forget, Moiraine threatened her with this knowledge last season. But was she, I thought she was um, uh, getting frisky with uh, a man. She just that- said, that I know there's a man you visit in North Harbor. Got That's all it. she okay. said. She did not okay. say anything about a relationship. So then I, so. what I read into that was that she, she had a secret liaison. I did too. I did too. Rom- but now I saw this liaison. and I put it together. Yeah. And I was like, I think this is what Moiraine is saying. Interesting. So Moiraine didn't really follow through well enough to understand what that was. Well, or, she, didn't, or, she didn't suggest either way. I think she just said, I know you visit a man. You're a red Aja visiting men. You know, you're supposed to hate men. Right. Uh, your sisters would not like it very much if you were, you know, crying over the sickbed of a man. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think that's dramatic that's what, if tension. She, if she had had a child with a man and then raised a man and is now mourning the loss of that man. That's that's messing with her red Aja credentials. Got it. <laughs> you Would know? you say, John, that her heart is in conflict with itself? Oh, boy. All right. Here we go again. <laughs> Back to the jokester. Matt gets through the bricks just to find another cell. Out pops Min, who calls him the possum that's been scratching at the walls. The two work together to get through the rest of the bricks. Were you surprised and delighted as I was? Uh. Mm, no, because I don't have, I guess, the same connectivity to Min that that you might. Okay. I was surprised. Do, do you delighted. recall her from? I did one? once we got uh, once they came through on the other side and started interacting. I was like, oh okay. wait, wait, wasn't she in the? Yeah, then it, yeah, then she it was the bartender. Click. Yeah, who who tells Rand all about the visions? You know, when right. she's mm-hmm. yeah, yep. so so she's basically the one who made him realize he was the Dragon Reborn. I gather that Min is a favorite uh, of, uh, for a lot of people. Controversial. Okay. She's, I think she, you, you love her or you, you like her, but you wish you were more developed. I think those are the two sides of it. Got I think it. Okay. she is under, underdeveloped in certain points. Well, it but, seems like they're, they're giving her some more stage yeah. here, some more of the stage here. So, and that she, um, and Matt are gonna, you know, have some kind of engagement, you know, a couple of tricksters, a couple of, um, you know, irreverent people. And then, well, we'll get to it when we get to the scene, but yeah, it, it, it's an interesting chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't remember her re- interacting with Matt that much in the book. So this is right. pretty okay. much all new of these interactions, but also Matt wasn't in captivity of Leandrin in the book. So we are all in fresh ground here. Um, I don't know how we got here, to be honest okay. with you. <laughs> but I, I think it, it has the potential to go interesting places. I think they're trying to do some clever sleight of hand here to get things back on track after losing Matt for the last two episodes of season one. Got it. Right. They're yeah, gassing up his character uh, plot lines and stuff. Exactly. And they're giving him a little bit of room to breathe in these one person, two person scenes. Fair enough. Yeah, where this actor can establish himself as all right. I am Matt. 
get over it. I, you know, it was funny because in the in the first episode I noticed, and I think they did it in this episode too, is every time somebody says a line to him, they're like, so Matt, how are you? Matt, here are some sweet rolls. Isn't that great, Matt? They just, Locking they never in. use pronouns. They never, they never use, right. yeah, it's, it's always like Matt, <laughs> the guy who's always been Matt. <laughs> But yeah, I, I enjoyed their chemistry here, and I hope that it continues. I I enjoyed the possum bit; that was pretty funny. Yeah, a good a good nickname. I, I hope that nickname sticks. Yeah, that's good. That's new too. Uh, Moiraine and the other Aes Sedai and Warders discuss how each pair met. Moiraine interrupts the speculation about her and Lan, and the two recount their meeting outside Chachin. Lan thought she was a mercenary following him, and Moiraine thought he was a dark friend. Moiraine found Lan meditating by a pond with his sword sitting nearby. When she grabbed her his sword, Lan grabbed Moiraine and threw her into the water. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah, this is actually from the prequel. This is okay. recounted in the prequel, New Spring. So they're bringing some stuff in here. Uh, and of course, uh, great setup for when uh, they eventually part here at the end of the episode. Yeah. Right. So we're like, oh, they're moving closer together. Moiraine is joining the circle. Nope. Psych. Fake you out. Yep. yep. Yeah. And uh, of course, there's this great line, I think, from Adelaus. Any old warder can protect you from a Trolloc, but the right one can protect you from yourself. Mm, Yeah, that is a nice, nice. You've got to be not only their physical protector, but in some ways their. um, Their check. uh, yeah, their check, their balance, yeah. and moral compass. Uh, you know, you know, the friend that says, "Nah, put the shot glass down. We've had enough tonight. <laughs> let's let's go home." Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. So a a lot good, a lot of good stuff here. I I loved their sort of charming back and forth. I didn't. I will say something that has been annoying to me in the show generally is they are really accentuating anything sexual that they can. Oh, well, now the story is getting good now that we have the lover, the older woman lover in the story. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. We get it. We get it. I said I want to have sex. We get it. Um, I, I don't know why that's a thing. It's not really a thing in the books. And, and it does take me out of it a little bit. It makes me feel like they're stretching things to get closer to a Game of Thrones, darker, a more adult vibe. And I don't know if this sh- show needs it because I think it has quite a bit of story and quite a bit of musing about morality and good and evil and and how to adapt to changes in your life and how to leave your village and become this all-powerful person who you when when you are facing madness it has so many questions why do i need okay but we also like to have sex so much and that's what we want in our stories right but it's a minor quibble so i'll move on Min and Matt make progress through the wall, and she slips through a bottle of wine. The two share a drink while Min tells Matt about her ability to see glimpses of the future and her accidental trip to Tarvalon. Matt tells Min unless she can see how he gets out of there, he doesn't want to know the shit heading his way. They agree to meet again before Min has a vision of Matt stabbing Rand with a dagger. Uh, A lot here, a lot here, especially the end scene. What, yeah. what were your thoughts, David? Well, just um, more confusion. I, I was, uh, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> now that's out there. What does that mean? And and how is that going to get resolved? Is that actually something that's, 
you know, how many seasons are we going? I, I hope they put that <laughs> scene at the end because it looks like Rand of today, you know, so. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's um, it's tricky because I know and I think I think whiny? Min has said this. I think Min has said this is that her visions have to come true. Uh huh. They do always come true. But it, that doesn't mean they're going to come true in the way you expect them. Right. OK. Right. doesn't mean that it's going to happen the way. So you, you could be seeing some. But that did seem pretty clear that he is stabbing and killing Rand. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not ambiguous. There was not a lot of ambiguity yeah. about that. And it it kind of um, made me a little sad because uh, suddenly, you know, here are these two irreverent trickster characters and, hey, let's get drunk and have some fun and, and you know, kick it around a little bit and then min at the end was still vibe kill yeah i shouldn't be yeah total vibe kill maybe i shouldn't be hanging out with this dude yeah yeah but then she actually does go yeah my social calendar is open and we'll hang out <laughs> right yeah yeah um i i do see a way out by based okay. on what i know already of this okay. but i will save that for the white tower segment please do yeah the wheel weaves um this whole idea, she accidentally got to Tarvalon, kind of funny because she was not in Tarvalon in the book. She was mm-hmm. in Berlon they met her, uh, okay. which is just another small city outside of Camelin, which is the capital of Andor. And I'm using a lot of proper nouns, and I apologize. Yeah, but- yeah. Can I can I make a side plug here? We were just on uh, <laughs> on the uh, Properly Howard movie review, one of our affiliate podcasts, and we, were, you, me, and Alicia were talking Dune with Anthony and Steve. And you were complaining about the I know, <laughs> I know. proper nouns. <laughs> Wait until we get to Teleron Riode in this Oof. book, Oof. in this series. I That's think a big I one. think we might get it this season, okay. but it is it is a very big thing, and it's Teleron Riode. And if I ask you to spell it, I guarantee you, you're not going to guess it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Uh, I will take guarantee I will take that it. Date. I wouldn't have guessed it. Um. Yeah. So I I enjoy their little wine date. I I uh, don't know if they'll go in a romantic direction here, but we'll we will see. Yeah, I don't. I would be disappointed if they went in a romantic direction. I don't need a romantic direction. Just, it felt more you know. buddy cop, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So back to the romance. In bed, Celine tells Rand there was a man she loved once who left them shattered. She says he still has her whole heart, and when she's with Rand, she can pretend she's with him, which is a gift. Rand says with when he's with her, he thinks of someone he wishes he could forget. And my comment here is, what a toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. You're not making a pass at me, but uh, I'm just sort of this uh, pretend for physical form of somebody else you really like. So, yeah, I mean, look, if it's, uh, you know, uh, to what degree is it uh, consent? You know, hey, do you mind if uh, if I pretend that you're somebody else while we do this? You know, well, uh, does seem okay. like that's uh, uh does seem like that's there. Her, she's very open about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I'm glad that they had this this conversation so that we understand the stakes of the relationship. But I <laughs> think that it's going to lead a little bit further down the road for both of them. So yeah, they are they are both pretty miserable without their old lovers. Again, they've developed the Egwene Rand romance more in the show than the books. So I okay. think he's referring to her because we saw them together in the first episode. But uh, and also, you know, she, he had that fantasy at the end by Ishmael, who kind mm-hmm. of forced the fantasy on him. 
Uh, right. And and that that shows that 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 was Rand's dream was to have a family with Egwene. Right. Right. OK. Yeah. Sad. Elaine shows Egwene a delicious new weave and says she was never allowed to have friends. Elaine asks Ni- about Nynaeve and Egwene vents about how she works so hard while Nynaeve slacks off and says she's there to protect Egwene. Nynaeve hears Egwene's complaints about her not being there and storms off. Elaine tells Egwene jealousy is not the best look on her. Again, Elaine being very insightful, very good at reading Mm -hmm. people. I think, uh, again, subverting this trope of the out-of-touch noble. Yeah, good scene. Um, And then, yeah, we got the, you know, the you know, a uh, well, well used plot device of overhearing a partial conversation and having a reaction to it. <laughs> yeah. A little cheesy, a little cheesy. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I, th- this is what happens in uh, schools of magic when you, uh, right. you know, listen in at doors, you're not supposed to listen in. Well, it's not even like she was not supposed to listen in. It was just sort of accidental. Well, she uh, did break into a Wayne's room too. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, Poor, yeah. poor naive. She's all she's all poor messed naive. up about a lot of stuff here. Hulking out every day. She just can't she can't stay calm. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um. How do you feel about this though? With Egwene's comparison, you know, I'm working hard every day. We see even the I Sedai concern that Egwene is too focused. Mm-hmm. Right? She is too into the rules, and she's having trouble loosening up at all. Whereas Nynaeve is like, I'm not doing anything. And they're raising her to accept it. I'm that must feel pretty gl- terrible. I'm going to drink the dirty glass of water. I'm not right. even going to participate in your silly you know, challenges here. And it's even um, worse in the books because Nynaeve, the first thing that she does when she gets to the tower is take the accepted test. She never spends any time as a novice. So it's different right. here in the show. I'm, right. I'm actually glad they did this uh, to, to show that, you know, she was a novice for a time. I, I, very much was like, why wouldn't they just have her be a novice for a time, even just to learn a little bit of humility? She really needed it. Right. Well, and, and to bounce her uh, up this way. Yeah, it, it sets up. Uh, it sets up some dramatic tension uh, between them and, and with her character. So, right. I think it works. Right. Yeah, I, I think it works, too. Uh, well, Nynaeve broods over Egwene's complaints, Leandrin comes and reluctantly brings her through the White Tower. They arrive at a gathering of Aes Sedai who introduced the ceremony to become accepted, which will require Nynaeve to pass through some mysterious arches and face what she fears. I love, love the arches in the books, and I cannot wait for the next episode. Okay. <laughs> I noticed that it looked uh, like two of the arches are broken. Yeah, they're kind of falling apart, but they still work. Okay. Well, yeah, like one is whole and then the other two both seem to be something's wrong with them. So, okay. I don't Yeah, know I think means. it's more about the magic of them than it is okay. the structure. So, I think okay. I think uh I don't recall that from the book. Maybe they'll add something for the show. I got very strong Dagobah vibes here. <laughs> you got to go to the cave. Yeah, yeah. Face you know, your fears, yeah. If if a little green creature was sitting in the back of Nynaeve's uh, shoulders there, you know, and then Darth Nynaeve would... will become her. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice one thing? I noticed. I don't know if you noticed this. Of the um, two other Aes Sedai that were were down there, uh, obviously the um, uh, what's her name, the mistress. I apologize. Cherium. Yep. Cherium. The other Aes Sedai that was there. Mm-hmm. 
that actress uh, was when uh, Egwene was at the beginning of the episode one, when Egwene's going around collecting up the glasses of the cups uh-huh. and the dirty dishes or whatever. This Aes Sedai tosses a glass to her, basically, sort of oh. in this very um, <laughs> uh, kind of annoying and haughty manner. And yet, and lovely. That's that's who this is here. So. That you is know. annoying and haughty uh, does kind of describe the whole of the Aes Sedai. <laughs> they are a very, very, haughty. yeah, they're a, a very uptight institution that very much looks down on others. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you excited for the arches? Well, I'm maybe I'm a little nervous. I don't know if I'm going to meet my, uh, you know, <laughs> myself disguised as my father. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll see what Nynaeve sees next week, probably. Or yeah, next, actually, today. I'm sorry. This is a yes. triple drop. <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking. At, I free, freeze-framed on uh, the scene of the three arches as they pan out. And definitely the left and the right arches don't have their top arch okay. bits. They're Interesting. They're, yeah. So That's where the cool. middle one is like completely whole and intact. That's cool. All right. A few more scenes left. Uh, this one, this next one is the dense one, so I'm going to take it slow, and we're going to go through it afterward. Moiraine tells Len she decided to make him her warder when he was unfazed by three Trollocheds. This told her that he would one day be able to survive on his own. She tells him to go to the tower and let her continue alone. When he refuses to leave, she tells him the last battle is coming and they're already losing it. She says the Quendiar was a seal keeping Ishmael imprisoned, uh, and that at the eye of the world they set him free. She says the Forsaken are 3,000-year-old channelers who are the most powerful who ever lived. When she says Ishmael cut Moiraine off with a flick of the wrist, Lan says he thought it took eight Aes Sedai to cut someone off from the source. She lashes back, tells him Rand is still alive, and mocks him about his failure to, uh, with the fades to push him away. She tells him they were never equals and that Alana will take his bond by force if she has to. A lot here. Yeah. Um, the he, She's mean to Len. Let's just say that up front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mean, I don't think we need to rehash so. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this Quendiar keeping Ishmael imprisoned. That's a big mic drop moment. Okay. <laughs> Because now we know that that's exactly who that is, right? Um, the guy who has been masquerading as the Dark One never actually explicitly called himself the Dark One, right? Right. Yeah. Um, no, we all and, just assumed that. Right. Right. Uh, but that's that's Ishmael. That is the as as she says, the chief lieutenant of okay. the Dark One. Right. So that's who we've been dealing with, and there's more apparently. And she says he might be freeing them as we speak. Right. This got very um, uh, Black Company for me in in it's always the series of books, mm-hmm. the Black Company. There's uh, yep. all these power characters and you know uh, weird alliances and things locked away and yep. yeah. I got a. Yep. I haven't read all of those. I've I've just read a little bit of it, but it just gave me that vibe. Yeah, and um, I think that Robert Jordan was inspired by the Black Company in that regard. I think okay. he based the Forsaken largely on that. Structure. Oh, interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, so I, I the do think vibe this is a there. direct link. Yeah, I think okay. this is a direct link here. Uh, right. Someone can write in and correct me if they know otherwise, but I've heard that that is a direct link. He was directly inspired by that. 
Oh wow! Well, I'm I. That was a. That's just the vibe I got. So uh, that's yeah. that's cool. I'm I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. That just for people who who may not be familiar, the Black Company or a series of books about a mercenary company uh, by Glenn Cook is the mm-hmm. author. So great series. Great yeah. series. I enjoyed the the first book that I I read of it. Yeah, I've only read the first book too, but as, as I say, great series. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to continue. I've just been so busy with watching three shows at the same time and <laughs> podcasting about them. Never mind family, children, work, yep. and all the other yep. things. Yep. Uh, 3,000 year old channelers we have here who are the most okay. powerful who ever lived. How are they alive? <laughs> and can just, you know, um, flick of a wrist, uh, depower a, a very powerful Aes Sedai. So. Or can they? Because Len is convinced that they can't. And uh, she did, well, they teased, did did Moiraine actually start to channel? Right. Or was that the right. energy from the other Aes Sedai that came to rescue them? Right. I, it's, it's, it's a little ambiguous in the visuals of the of the scene. Yeah, so he's saying it takes eight Aes Sedai to cut someone off permanently. Mm-hmm. Is she not cut off permanently? Is it just a really strong shield? That's been the right. question for us the whole time. I okay. think that that's where they're leading here. They're not yeah. going to leave her nerf the whole series. Well, and what I don't get is is if you are nerfed, if you are cut off, then why would you uh, try to go off on your own? Uh, I'd, I'd want some protection. I'd want somebody I could trust. I'd want somebody I could talk to. Because she doesn't want her check anymore. She wants to be able to go rogue. I think that's what she's uh, saying. That would make sense. Yeah. That would make sense. Even yep, if I she's not at. at full power. Yep. Because she's, I think she's more interested in counseling Rand and pulling political strings than she is Rand's, fighting. Rand's not going to, it's not going to go well. It's not going to work well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She's going to have all these ideas about, oh, I'm going to teach you and counsel you and guide you and whatever. And you have to know this. And don't you understand <laughs> that? And and Rand's just going to be like, piss off, lady. <laughs> you know? The wheel weaves, David. It sure does. <laughs> it sure does. Very good. Okay, good. I will uh, We'll take it. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll take that as um, I'll, I'll keep exploring those thoughts and feelings. Yeah, yeah. So Perrin wakes to an attack as he is dragged from bed. The Shinarans do their best against an unknown enemy and manage to free Loyal to go into Hulk mode, but are eventually cornered by leashed channelers and are blown away by their wind. Perrin is dragged by his feet to sit by the other prisoner survivors. We see all the named Shinarans survive, of course, uh, and we see a Shanshan ruler arrive with Ishmael by her side. So both episodes one and two so far have uh, ended in a nice battle sequence. So yeah. it's nice. This, that this we're was good. I thought action. that the choreography was really good. I thought the effects were really good. Uh, it felt nervous and chaotic, you know, yeah. as, mm-hmm. as he's going through there, which is the way that a battle like that should feel mm-hmm. in the dark. Uh, at surprise, your, you know, your, your forces are scattered and you're trying to, you know, yeah, find an yeah. upper hand. And he's like, uh, Shinarans to me, and then uh, whoops, yeah, you know you you're getting an upper hand here, but then you lose badly. Right, right. Um, These what guys are look scary. Thoughts? Yeah, it is. It does look scary. I I I loved loyal going into Hulk mode because right. that is something in the books. You know, Ogier are extremely calm, but if you piss one off, 
<laughs> they go to town. They are very good fighters as well. Right. Yeah, they're very strong. They can beat you up. Um, and I like that they kind of almost got the upper hand. And then yes. these channelers come in and we know Ike's die can't fight with the one power. But this is something different. And they have these weird uh, mouthpieces. Yeah. And then they have the backup. Uh, the people, the the two women behind them that are, mm-hmm. you know, so there's some sort of structural stuff going on. I, yeah, it was, I have questions. I've got a yeah. lot of questions. There's a lot there. Again, this world will keep getting bigger for a while. Okay. <laughs> We're not done expanding yet. Very cool. But this is uh, a very scary force that we've not seen in Ranland before that yeah. has just come in. And we know that these women who are channeling can use it as a weapon. And that right. they're being controlled in some way. Right, right. right yep. Because they've got gags on, right? Them. Right. And they're they're doing these hand dances <laughs> to to channel. So yeah, it's it's scary. And then of course we get that shot of the litter with the Shanchen ruler with it, Ishmael. It, it almost it, it almost degrades it to call it a litter this thing is ginormous I know, and ornate a, what else can we call it people i don't know that's the technically correct term as far as i know i know, I know. yeah so it's terrifying well, yeah the throne is carried in let's just yes. say that she's yeah. carried in on her throne with ishmael by her side which is kind of yeah so great reveal you know that ishmael is not like he is subservient to another person power you know or is entity he? well right? he's not sitting i mean he's he's standing as a he's not in the position of of ultimate authority here no she's no. in in some sort of authority right yeah and he I mean, acknowledges her and references her authority in, in as much as that he is not be at the center but off to the side so i'm looking at him as a worm tongue figure in the mm, show right now interesting you know, crazy costuming here. Crazy. Uh, I don't know if this is hair or what's coming out of uh, this person's <laughs> head ar- around yeah. the the mask. Did you ever see the movie 300? Mm, no, I saw the parody of it, which is terrible. <laughs> well, there was some they, they really over stylized that I, I believe it was the Syrian forces in that. Um, so it, it made me think of that in, in some ways. Okay. And uh, yeah, a big reveal. And to, to see uh, Ishii here see Perrin, he gets pretty excited by um, by the fact that he's encountered one of the one of the um, one of the uh, what's the name of the town they're from again? Well, uh, Emmonsfield. Emmonsfield. Yeah, uh, one of the Emmonsfielders. Sometimes, sometimes we call them the Emmonsfielders. Sometimes we call them uh, the Emmonsfield Five. Some people right, call yeah. him that. <laughs> to, see, to see one of the five, he was pretty pleased uh, yeah. with that. And we were told that they're Taviran at the okay. end of last season. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, so they are all five of them, which is different from the books. There's only only the three boys. Only Ran, Matt, Perrin are in the books. But okay. all five of them in the show are people who the pattern will weave around. They Got are it. able to influence large events. Okay. So he's he's excited to see Perrin. Yep. What can he do with him now? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Scary stuff. So I'm excited to see where that goes. That's again, again, pretty different from the books, but same vibe. And I, I see where they're going with it. Okay. Um, last scene, though, 
Yes. Uh, Rand goes to work and learns his coworker. I could not understand the name without subtitles. <laughs> Yam. It sounded like Yam to me. Yeah, I didn't. But that cannot be it. That cannot be it. So <laughs> I hope we find out at some point. So we learn. He learns that his coworker was attacked the previous night. Hmm. Rand is assigned to his position with the wealthier residents outside. He greets Logan and tells him they have a lot more in common than his previous attendant. So did Rand know that Loghain was back here? Or That's how I'm reading it. I okay. think that because he didn't seem surprised at all. He had a, sm- a smile on like, I planned this whole thing. Exactly. I, I knew you were here. I researched where I asked around where Loghain went. And I worked my way through these ranks until I could find you and I could he- talk to you. He's looking very confident and very intently at, at Logan here in this end scene. Yeah. So I think right. you're right. I think that's, the, I think that's a good reading of it is, is that this was his, uh, his plan all along. Yeah. And even Logan seems a little smirky, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. Ooh, what are we going to do together? Cause I mean, he, he can't channel anymore, but my question is, can he kind of tell that Ran can? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, no, I think I, I don't recall if you here. can. Yeah, I, I don't recall if you can after you've been cut off in the books. I don't know if it ever came up, mm-hmm. but a, certainly a male channeler who still can channel can sense another male channeler. Right. And I think he's getting yeah, there. There's vibes here between both yeah. of them going both ways. Yeah. Good vibrations. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, what an episode. Yeah. We've got no feedback because the show hasn't come out yet. <laughs> But, of course, if you're listening to this and want to write in, W-O-T at thelorehounds.com. Or you can uh, head to thelorehounds.com and send in your voicemails, contact form entries, get on the Discord server, however you get it to. I don't care. I'll put it in the outline. And uh, for now, though, we're going to move on to our outro. And I think, David, we're going to do a quick outro tonight since people probably just listened to our episode one podcast. Yeah, this is uh, kind of a a part two of three, so um, we don't need to to belabor too much. Go check out Properly Howard movie reviews. Steve and Anthony are having a good time. We just did a guest pod with them uh, covering uh, the remake of Dune. Check out Wool Shift Dust. Check out Alicia. She's doing, speaking of Dune, she's doing a whole deconstruction of Dune. Wool Shift Dust does Dune. Talking about documentaries and the history of the books and uh, getting into uh, Frank Herbert as an author. All hoping that uh, Dune Part 2 will be out later this year if the, the studios don't mess around and, and move it. And then Alicia's also got her Wool Shift Dust book club running. Check that out. We've got show links in all the show notes uh, below if you're interested in that. Or hop over in the Discord and give a shout out. And there'll be there's plenty of people over there willing to you know, point you in the right directions or provide you with links of things. If you need to follow up, if, if right. you need, uh, need help searching any of those things out. Um, but please do check out our affiliates, um, because we're all in this together and we're all having a good time podcasting. Yeah. Speaking of our podcasting quick notes, we're also doing Ahsoka and foundation at the same time. So check our main feed for that. If you're not on there search the lower hounds, wherever you are, Got plenty of other projects going, but check out the outro of last episode or the next episode if you want more on that. And time for one more thing, David, our yes, Patreon sir. lore masters. Yes. Oh, yes. Of course. As always. Gotta shout them out. Uh, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC., Peter O.H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H., 
Sarah L, Garrett C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, and Nathan T. Long list keeps getting longer, and we love it. And thank you to our lore masters and all of our patrons for allowing us to get screeners and you know do these advanced recordings so that we can get the podcast out faster. It, it helps us devote more resources and time to these things when we have Patreon supporters. So that's right. Thank you again. Thanks, everyone. David. Yes. See you in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.